This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm, Celtics beat writer for Mass Live. I'm joined by Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe and our close personal pal, Chris Grenham of Forbes, back again. We're going to get into a bunch of stuff about the draft. Before we do that, we did feel like we should probably talk about James Harden, who has uh, informed the Rockets that he wants them to get him to the Brooklyn Nets, which they have no obligation to do so. But this is the NBA, and these things do seem to work themselves out sometimes. Uh, what do you What do you guys make of this? I mean, this is this is huge. I mean, it's insane. Turn down 50 million dollars a year is just outrageous to begin with that's an extension it's a two-year 103 million dollar extension on top of a three-year 130 million dollar deal something along those lines so that's insane to begin with but i immediately think about his fit in brooklyn and alongside Kyrie, it doesn't really make sense so if it comes down to it do they send Kyrie back to houston if need be like i think there's a lot of intriguing ways the nets could go about this just because i don't think that trio yeah they're talented but i don't really think they work well together james harden on the move in in general, obviously is an interesting proposition. And I kind of wish he didn't pick a team because I would have loved to have seen what Philly would have offered, what the Celtics would have offered, would the Celtics have even been in on it? Like I would have loved to have seen like what that would have looked like. But if it is the Nets, I think James Harden and Kevin Durant is really intriguing. I don't think James Harden, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant will work well. Is Kevin Durant just going to sit in the corner? Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Just as Kyrie and James Harden dribble the ball out like you know like what's gonna happen there so I think it would be hilarious if Kyrie was included in the package that would be unbelievable in a vacuum you a thousand I 100 and I'm not I'm not a Kyrie hater I genuinely love watching the guy play basketball in a vacuum I trade Kyrie for James Harden 100 times out of 100 James Harden is a significantly better player than Kyrie Irving. I think he's a better match next to KD too. I do too. We don't know what KD is going to look like. Having James Harden there, who is an offense unto himself, like as KD is working himself back, like that could be really useful. What do you send with Kyrie if you're sending Kyrie to Houston? I mean, if I'm Houston, I'm not doing anything if Karis LeVert isn't in it. And I'm not even like that huge on Karis LeVert. I'm just like, look, like even if Kyrie's in the deal, you're still giving me your best asset. I don't care. I'm giving you the third best player in the NBA. Getting James Harden. Yeah. So in this situation, is Russell Westbrook staying on the Rockets or will he also be moved? I don't know. I 
I mean, so like there's a bunch of reporting that's coming out as we're like, we're, it's kind of probably somewhat premature to be talking about all this stuff. So I guess, um, you know, one, one of the reports that Mark Stein just tweeted that the Rockets at this juncture remain intent on keeping James Harden. I mean, yeah, like I would be too. I guess the thing I want to ask though, is like, if you're the Celtics, right? I don't want to like get into like specifics about a package because that's just going to get everybody mad. But I think we all kind of know what the package would have to be. Like if you're the Celtics, don't you kind of have to like, at least put your foot in the water and say, hey we'd be interested in trading for this guy just to keep him off the nets i mean not just to keep him off the nets obviously because also the idea of having like james harden and jason tatum that's a terrifying basketball team i don't know how you stop them from scoring whenever they want to but like i I know people are skittish because Kyrie didn't work out but like i don't know i mean like do you want to have to face james harden and kevin durant in your division you know for the next however many years like that seems scary don't you think Danny's a GM that at least looks into that, at least dips his toes in the water just to check it out? He's not someone who's ever been shy about stuff like that. You know what I mean? Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Kyrie, Anthony Davis, like Danny always checks in. And that's why there's, it's like almost a bit on Twitter now where people are like, well, the Celtics almost had like X, Y, and Z. Like, I think that he would do it. I mean, if that was even an option, which it doesn't seem like it is, but I think Danny would trade the necessary components to get James Harden. You better believe he would. I have no doubt. As long as you keep Tatum, and I don't think it would require Tatum to get Harden, but I think I, he I would. think Houston would have to understand that you aren't getting Tatum in yeah. a Harden deal. Like, this would be one of those trades that, like, like we, we've talked before about there being, like, certain players and certain trades where the team would be like, well, you have this asset. Why won't you give me that? At this point, I think it's pretty clear that like if, if you're going to ask for Tatum, then it's off the table. So like, I, the I table. feel like they would understand that. Would you guys feel at all skittish about like about like a Kyrie situation? I mean, yes, just because like James Harden, like essentially got Chris Paul out of Houston now with Russell Westbrook, who he like basically orchestrated that trade himself has given up on that situation after just one season. Like, I don't know. That's not that great. <laughs> I would definitely be a little bit skittish. Especially just based on his history too. Like with Russell Westbrook, like that seems to to come together purely from Harden's wishes and Harden's requests. So I think he's- That did not seem to be a Daryl Morey type move. (laughs) I think he's used to having a lot of power. I think he's used to getting everything he wants. I mean, Dan Tony is a great coach, but seemed to develop a reputation where he just sort of let the guys play. And it was really a Harden-centered offense. And I just, I mean, that's not Brad Stevens. That's not like Celtics culture or whatever so I think that would be like a slight concern for sure however again winning solves everything and Jason Tatum and James Harden together would be very good it would and I think all of the all of the things that you just said are very valid concerns for the Celtics if they were actually interested in acquiring James Harden which is why I wanted to bring it up like I wanted to note that like yes it's like I think that the Celtics probably will like, you know, I don't know that it'll ever come out, but I would be surprised if the Celtics didn't at least inquire, but I do think that it's not necessarily a home run for them to go get him because, you know, you might lose him. He might not be a perfect fit with their pieces. Like I think all of those things are possible. That's it. I I love watching James Harden. I I, I would enjoy getting to watch that guy a little bit more often. I know a lot of people don't agree with me. One way or another, I think you're going to get to watch him more. (laughs) 
I mean, James Harden is, might be the only guy who has ever been this obsessed with getting himself to the Atlantic Division. 100%. 100%. I wonder how closed out Maury feels at this point. Because this report, the newest report from Woj, again, it's Monday night right now. But that report says it's, you know, there's a singular focus on the Nets. So I wonder if Maury is continuing to push. Because I know earlier in the day, there was some chatter about Brooklyn and Philly being the preferred destination. So I'd, I'd be curious to see where he sits at the moment as we're recording. I feel like Daryl's in a tough position, right? Because like, obviously there was no bigger James Harden homer than Daryl. And that may have been a function because he was literally the GM of Harden's of his team. team. So yeah. obviously you have to like back the decisions you have made as a GM. <laughs> but I do think he genuinely does like James Harden. I do think he genuinely believes in that style of play. I mean, they committed to it and it worked to an extent, However, he has like something special sounds a little corny and maybe a little too strong, but he has like a unique situation on his hands with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I would be nervous to just all of a sudden bring in James Harden or make like a drastic move like that without really seeing, okay, what like roster tweaks can we make to sort of optimize Ben and Joel within the Philly system before doing something like that dramatic. Yeah. So I wonder if Daryl's taken himself out. Knowing Daryl, he hasn't, but I feel like he is in a tough spot there. I would agree. I would agree too. One, one other uh, Celtics note that is probably worth touching on. We did get the clarification that Gordon Hayward's player option, um, he has to make a decision by Tuesday. We're recording this on Monday, Tuesday at 5 p.m. One way or the other, the Celtics will have some clarity on Gordon Hayward's situation before the draft, which I think is a pretty big boost for them. Uh, I know Austin Ainge in his availability today said that the Celtics would not let those decisions necessarily affect how they drafted. But I, I do think that, you know, going into the draft and knowing that will be a big help. Any predictions? What do you think is going to happen with, uh, with Hayward? I don't know. I mean, the money itself makes me think that he's going to opt in, but that was kind of my thought at the end of the season. And then there's been a lot of reports that saying he could be going the Al Horford route. I mean, his agent was kind of poking around and getting a sense that there might be a bigger market than initially assumed for him out there. But I don't know. I, I think my main takeaway from this change in option date that we got today, clarification that we got today is that that helps the Celtics uh, yeah. in terms of getting that before draft night. So from a Celtics specific standpoint, rather than a Gordon specific standpoint, like that's a win. So it's ideal for the Celtics for Gordon to opt in. Like, what do you think the Celtics want to happen? It, unless he's like going to renegotiate on like team friendly terms, which I yeah. do, does not seem like that's going to be the case. Uh, I think that, yeah, they want him to opt in. Okay. Um, that's was my feeling as well. You know, they can try to run through the season with him and, and trade him at the deadline. They can trade him now. It just gives them more flexibility. So if you had to guess, what do you think will happen? I, I think he'll opt in, but what do you think will happen after that? At least. So at basically at the end of draft night, do you think Gordon Hayward's still in the Celtics? I'll go no. If they trade up, well, for chaos purposes, I'll also guess no. I, I have this like theory with the NBA that like once things kind of start going, they just like that momentum matters a lot with like yeah. NBA decisions. If it's, it player, if it's player driven, it's hard to turn around and reverse it. It yeah. rarely happens. Yeah, exactly. And I don't get not based on like conversations with him or anything, just kind of on like everything that we're hearing. It's just like, it doesn't seem like Gordon Hayward wants to be in Boston. It kind of feels like this train is kind of rolling a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. I think they would like to keep him because he's a very good player and he's, he's perfect fit with their core, but like, I don't know. Even if they do keep him for this upcoming season and he just opts in and doesn't renegotiate, I can't see him playing more than one season with the Celtics. 
The next couple of days is going to be pretty, they're going to be pretty fascinating. I kind of think Danny's up to something. I think that there's something kind of cooking. Danny spoke to the media and Austin Ainge spoke to the media. Both of their availabilities were just kind of like, okay. All right. We didn't learn anything. (laughs) We all got like a few quotes to fill out some pre-draft stories and just like nothing interesting. Like, cause, cause you can't ask about any of this stuff. Yeah. Right. You can't ask about specifics or anything. I don't know. Austin, can you show us your recent text messages? (laughs) (laughs) We just do to Austin what we do to all the prospects. Like Austin, did you talk to Devin Vassell? How do you think the conversation went? Austin, did you talk to Isaac Okoro? How do you think the conversation went? (laughs) Just slowly mentally drain them. (laughs) Austin, did you talk to Skylar Mays? How did you think like... Kamar Baldwin, how did you think he was? I feel like they're being even more like cagey in general and like tight-lipped than usual. And again, this could be like retrofitting stuff or me trying to like fit the narrative that what I think is going to happen. But don't you kind of feel that too? Yeah. I think a lot of it might have to do with the condensed schedule because no one fully knows how to really approach it. Like, I think there's so much, everything is so compressed this week that they like don't really know how to go about it in terms of interacting with other front offices, interacting with the media. And so I think that could also play a role. I would agree. Right. But I I hope, I hope it's that they're up to this major blockbuster deal and that they're just being completely coy because of that. I've kind of come around on that. I think that they are going to make a move up. I think they're going to figure out a way to make a move up. I don't know what it's going to be, but I think they will find a way to condense, which, you know, that could bring us into the draft portion of our conversation here. So I am having trouble with my latest big board. And when you say big board, are you talking about your Celtics big board or your draft big board? Yes, my Celtics big board, specifically okay. to the Boston Celtics. And we can get it. We'll get into what some of those, uh, some of those differences look like too. So that's a good clarification. All right. So. Granum. Yeah. Number one on my draft big board. For a couple of weeks, I was all on the Killian Hayes bandwagon. He is no longer number one on my big board after a couple of not very kind reviews of his mm-hmm. uh, of his pre-draft work and also uh, basically the low post along with a couple of other uh, yeah. publications. But Jonathan Gavoni and Mike Schmitz, who are obviously two of the absolute best at doing this, were less than impressed with Killian Hayes. Number one on my board is back to Onyeka Kungu. I'm I don't love the uh, like the strategy of like trading up and like drafting a big man. I still think the Celtics could do a little bit better, but I just like yeah. if Hayes isn't going to be number 1, I don't know who like who else to put up there. I'm I'm with you. That's kind of why I had Onyeka at number 1 again. I'm in the same boat. Like you trade up to get a big man. Again, trading up is inherently risky to begin with. You take a big man, it's even it adds a little more risk and Also, just bigs in today's NBA are a bit more replaceable. Like you can find them in the open market like the Celtics did with Daniel Tice. Like trading up, it might be more useful to go get a guard, go get a wing if you can. That being said, Killian Hayes, yes, I was impacted in the same way by the low post and by a couple other reports as you were. I still have him number two on mine, but I really wanted to put Tyrese Halliburton at number two. I chickened out. I didn't do it, but I'm I'm with you. I do think Onyeka should be number one, but I think there is some inherent risk to that. So do you think that the fact that there is risk and you guys are sort of like uncertain about who would be at the top of your big board, like, does that lead you to believe that the Celtics will trade up, but they won't trade up like high enough to draft these people? Yeah. Or it makes me think that like the ideal range is for the Celtics to trade up is kind of that eight to 10 uh-huh. range where it's like, okay, like maybe some of these decisions are being made for me. <laughs> right. Right. Um, Cause yeah. And there's I mean, good I think options I, I, at that 
at that range that you just mentioned. Like there's great options there still. A hundred percent. I have, I, I don't know, man. My number two is tough because the guy I have there, I don't feel good about at all. In fact, I spent a lot of time talking about how scary I find his jump shot for him. Is it crazy to have Devin Vassell at number two? Wow. Uh, well, it depends on how much weight you put into everyone saying, nah, he was just messing around in that video. Like, are you, because and I don't again, buy that. That's why I, I don't buy that either. You, you tweeted the other else to put there. Yeah, exactly. I don't completely buy that, but he's a really good defender too. Like there's other yeah. areas of his game that are good. And I don't think his shot is like, I don't want to believe that his shot is permanently screwed up, but I also don't buy it when there's, ah, oh, no, we were just messing around. It's like, no, we saw the video. You weren't messing around. <laughs> like we watched the video. So in that sense, I do think it's crazy to have him at two okay. over someone like Isaac Okoro, over someone like Tyrese Halliburton. Okay. Those are guys that I would, de- I had over him and I definitely would put over him. I, yeah. I, I appreciate that. Well, I just feel like if you're messing around, that means you're like Marcus Smart doing like 360s and then like throwing, you know what I mean? Then you're shooting baseball the ball, throwing right? or so. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're like, he's heading the ball and then trying to get him into the basket. You're not shooting like 10 plus shots with that form. <laughs> with like absolutely just a dead serious look on his face. Like I'm messing around. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And like, if I remember the video correctly, which has since been deleted because I'm sure his agency was like, um, you need to take that down down because it's hurting his draft stock if i'm I watching him slide into the teens get that down now yeah 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 i'm watching him lose millions of dollars <laughs> if i remember correctly from the video though like he and the other guy were alternating and the other guy was taking normal shots oh yes so it's like, oh why completely would, why would Devin like be messing around tom put it this way if you're looking for an answer to say is that too high for Furbacell, like your tweet from the other day perfectly encapsulates what you should have going on in your head it was a tom quote tweeted someone saying you know Vassell confirmed he saw the video and said he was just joking around and Tom's response was my quote I didn't change my jump shot t-shirt has people asking a ton of questions that I've already answered by my shirt so like there's some concerns there that I think too would make it a little bit too high this draft class is literally driving me insane dude I watched after Jackson Frank put up a video BJ Boston this morning I watched like 45 minutes of guys in that class next year just to like cleanse and like take a shower of this draft class like it's it's so crazy to have like to go from this year's draft class to next year where like if you have a top 10 pick you're not gonna miss like you just like there's so many good players next year you're not gonna miss at all next year yeah and you, it's, might, get, and you might have a chance at Amani Bates yeah it's unbelievable like he might reclass all right God. anyway oh so, all right. So, so yes, Devin Vassell, not number two on my board. I appreciate you talking me out of my insanity. Um, the other options that I have on my board for number two are Halliburton, Okoro. I actually, I, I have Wiseman up there because mm-hmm. I think that the, the floor of James Wiseman is like a useful big man in the NBA. I'm like, I don't know, man, maybe that's the number two guy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think the Celtics will have an opportunity to draft James? Oh, of course not. No, no, no. This is all just like thought exercise. You're just drinking. Yeah. 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 Part of me thinks when I was going through my board the other night that like we might have gotten to a point, at least maybe I have gotten to a point in my brain where Wiseman is almost underrated because I've been picking on so many little things for so long with him that it's like he might have transferred over to the underrated line. It's like we've, we've, we've called, I mean, he's not going to be a bust. Yeah. It's like my most likely scenario is that he's DeAndre Jordan and that's he's an athletic rim runner. Yeah, right. 
Yeah, also, he has that. fantastic TikToks. That would be great for my Celtics coverage. <laughs> that actually would be pretty useful. I would I would enjoy that quite a bit. Uh, that being said, I think Halliburton or Okoro should be on your board higher than Wiseman for All similar right. reasons why we were kind of worried about Onyeka as a trade-up target. Like, I don't know. I think Halliburton and Okoro are equally intriguing, maybe more intriguing than Wiseman for the Celtics. I agree with you. So, Gretam, I'm going to run through my top 10 then. And you All tell right. me, I know you're going to disagree with number 10 because you and I disagree on, on one of the wings. So here we go. I have Onyeka. I'm going to go Halliburton 2. I'm going to go Okoro 3. I'm going to go Killian Hayes 4, which is, again, that's a drop for him. But like yep. Gavoni. But I like that top four. I've got Wiseman 5. I've got Vassell 6. I've got Anthony Edwards 7. I've got LaMelo Ball 8. I've got Tyrell Terry 9. And I've got Aaron Naismith 10. Like you said, I, I would put Sadiq Bey higher than Naismith just because it's all around game. Yep. I know Naismith is a great shooter. We know he's a great shooter, even though it was a small sample size in his sophomore year at Vanderbilt. But I just think there's a little more certainty with Bay, and I, I would rely on that. I know the upside's a little bit better with Naismith there for sure. Um, so I get that. The other thing, I My thing with Naismith is you just don't need to worry about like the creation, yeah, like yeah. on the Celtics. The Celtics have plenty of creation. That's totally fair. That's totally fair. I would probably, as a matter of preference, I think I would swap Edwards and Ball. I would put Ball above Edwards, and then Terrell. Terry is interesting. I know you're very high on him. I'm still going back and forth. I think he's going to be good. And I think he's got a ton of upside, but I think for the Celtics, if you're going to take a swing at someone, I would rather take a swing at an RJ Hampton than Mm -hmm. a Tyrell Terry, just because I don't know. I I'm feeling better and better about RJ just off of what I'm, what I've heard and what I'm seeing from his shot. And I think the improvements he made over such a short period of time to that really messed up shot is super promising. And so I'd like to see what he could do over the next year to two years, three years. So I would probably have Terry outside of the top 10 in exchange for another flyer, like an RJ Hampton. How did, how did you have Tyrell Terry on yours? I had Terry at number 20. Okay, so you have him quite a bit lower than me. Yeah, I mean, his shooting is great. He's got a good feel for the game. His size is a concern defensively. Like, he doesn't have a problem getting a shot off, and I don't think he will have a problem at the pro level because of that release. But, like, I don't know. It's It, it would be an interesting way to fill that backcourt need. Again, if I want to take a flyer that early, say at number 14, I think I would go with someone like Hampton instead. Interesting. Well, all right, so that, that leads me into my next few here uh, because I did have RJ Hampton very high as well. I, I like him quite a bit as well. I have him at number 11. Uh, I have Kira Lewis at number 12. And then I have Obi Toppin at number 13. Now, I know you have Obi Toppin pretty low too. Yeah. Um, he's clearly not going to slip this far. The case to me for Toppin to the Celtics, um, yeah. which is truly a thought exercise because he's mm-hmm. never going to get there. I think his offense is obviously really good. You know, he's going to be able to score at the NBA level. I think defensively, the Celtics probably have some pieces to make up for what he can't do. They have a lot of like really rangy, versatile defenders. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be a good NBA defender. I know there was like um, some clearly planted agent talk out yeah, there about it's how it's like, not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. He's no. not going to be a good defender. But no. if he can get to a point where he's like, uh, like, like just on like just a slight negative instead of like a major negative, I think that his offense could really make up for that, especially on a good team, you know, that, that can, that can kind of score around him as well. He's either going to go to Cleveland at five or he's not going to get past the Knicks. Leon Rose no. is not going to let the CAA guy like that drop past him. So, so he's not going to get there, but I had him at 16, which is pretty low from a Celtics perspective again, but like he's a liability on defense and 
throwing that into the Celtics system is that's a negative. Like I don't, I don't really buy that. And again, I don't, I think he's a good offensive player. I don't think he's as good as a lot of people are praising him to be defensively. Like just give me something, give me something to work with. So it helps praise the, like it helps, you know, even the scales a little bit, but he just doesn't like his lateral movement sucks. Can't really flip his hips. His pick and roll defense is terrible. I just, that those are things with a guy like him that I can't ignore, especially if you're going to use a top pick on him. I respect it. After him, I have your boy. That's where that's where I, that's where I've got Sadiq Bay. Patrick Williams at 15. I think he's an interesting one where there's been a lot of chatter about him moving up and I got more say, than anyone else, yeah. I don't know if I buy it. Like I don't totally see it. Like I, teams teams seem like they're intrigued by his shot creation and obviously he's like, you know, pretty versatile. He's like a burly yeah. dude. He's not fast. He's not super athletic. I don't know, man. Like he can kind no, of I'm with you. takes him a long time. Like he's a really good team defender, but he's not great individually. What am I missing with Patrick Williams? Yeah, I'm with you. Like defensively, I think you're right. He's a smart team defender, which does go a long way, especially if he can play that big wing slot. If you're betting on his shooting to continue to develop and, you know, he makes good decisions and he's not the best on-ball defender, you're right. But like a lot of it is betting on that size and that potential. And those are some serious bets to make if you're going to take him with like, if you're the Pistons and you're going to take a lot of people are saying there might be a promise there Mm -hmm. to take Williams in the top 10 if you're Detroit. It's hard because sometimes I have trouble with these guys who are the real risers as the draft comes around because it's hard to tell like how much of this is just an agent who's doing a really good job being his agent or is there just a lot of smoke? Like, I don't really know. And I know a lot of that is a lot of this rise is is driven from these internal reports are coming from probably his camp. So I don't really know what to think either him probably more than anyone with two days to go before this draft. He's the guy I'm most unsure about. Like, I don't really know what to think if I'm being totally honest. Yeah. He'd be a guy where I'd be nervous if I was him to be in the green room. Um, yeah, like, cuz he could go 5 or he could go 25. It could be like this br- like the one shining moment NCAA like, you know, like uh, or 100%. it could really be like nobody talks themselves into him before like 21 and he was the last one in there like holding his head and like hoping for somebody to draft him like Right. I know he has a lot of raw talent. Like it's he's got good size and he's pretty versatile offensively. He's almost got a 7 foot wingspan. Like he's got yeah. the size and there's some promising things there for sure. But a guy who has a lot of raw talent and raw skills like that. I'd like him to show me a little bit more at Florida state. And he really didn't do that. And so that raises a couple red flags for me because a lot of times a guy like Anthony Edwards, granted, he's a much better player than Patrick Williams, I think, and has much, you know, more star potential. Those guys who are just purely those raw talents at that point, they show you something, at least in a couple stints. And Patrick Williams didn't really do that at Florida state. Yeah, I would agree. So here's the rest of my top, uh, the, the, the last five of my top 20 here. I have Desmond Bain at 16, Tyrese Maxey at 17, Josh Green at 18, Pokusevsky at 19, and Cole Anthony at 20. Just like from a reasoning standpoint, I'm very high on Desmond Bain. I'm higher and higher on him every time I watch him. He's got short little arms, but he's good at everything else. Tyrese Maxey, I don't know what to make of him. Like, I like the stuff that you hear about his mentality. I like the way his shot looks. I know he could really shoot it in high school. I'm willing to gamble on Kentucky (laughs) destroying the draft value of yet another guard. (laughs) And, playing uh, five guards per lineup. Yeah. Makes things yeah. Difficult sometimes. yeah. <laughs> Josh green. I, I've liked some of the pre-draft stuff that we've heard about him. And, and I just, I mean, that guy can just defend. Like mm-hmm. he is just tough. And uh, Pokusevsky, I see if he's there at 26, I think the Celtics should take him. He's not going to be. Like, He'd be a great so, grab at 26. I agree. He's so skinny though. Yeah. That's concerning. Cause like, that's a tough, 
like he's really, really skinny. Yeah. And I don't know how that is going to change over time or how that could change his game over time as well. And also his level of competition that he's going against kind of concerns me a little bit too. So and everybody's going to yell, but Giannis too, but also like, I mean, Giannis is like a once in a generation. Yeah. Like, uh, I, yeah. I'm not willing to gamble on that. Like, twice. yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. I, I had Josh green lower, but I'm with you on him. If his shot continues to trend, ideally where it's, where it's trending, he could be one of the better three and D guys in this class. I really think that just because he's a really good defender and he's strong as hell. And so that goes a long way, kind of similar say along those same lines, like Desmond Bain, strong, smart winning yeah. player, like good, smart defender. He plays his ass off. And so he like whoever grabs him, you're going to get a, a nice player. Who's going to stick around and contribute to winning. I would put it this way. I would, before when we were doing these, I, I thought there were three guaranteed three and D guys and it was Vassell, Naismith and CJ. Yeah. And I, I've now, I think that Desmond Bain and Josh, Green and have added themselves I, to that now. I, I think, totally agree. I, I think totally all agree. five of those guys are kind of that same class, and it's just kind of how you want to order them. Not for any specific reason, just watching him more and kind of diving into stuff. I think I've lowered a little bit on Naismith. I'm still relatively high on him, but I just think I I don't know. There, he's got that one skill as his defense. He's not going to kill you on the defensive end, but I wish he was a little more athletic just to open up the rest of his game. And he's really Fair. not. Like he doesn't yeah. move all that well laterally. But a, a guy like Bain and a guy like Josh Green, I think are like their floors are are pretty solid especially on the defensive end and Desmond Bain shoots the ball well like I like both of them too and on on Maxi, like I I do think Kentucky impacts his shooting numbers a little bit so I'm willing to bet on that as well good free throw uh, numbers good free throw numbers yeah that and that does go a long way a lot of times so I like his skill set he plays hard he's got good size I think he could be another good backcourt bet and then at number 20 I have Cole Anthony uh, I know you have Cole in that range too yeah I've got um, Cole I've got Cole at 18 again he's like He's another guy who's got a really wide range. I don't really know where he's going to end up, but he just provides that scoring burst off the bench more now than I felt in March. Like, I don't know about his upside. Like, more and more, I think that he has less and less upside. And maybe he just, I don't want to say capped off when he was in, in high school or at UNC, but like, I'd be lying if I said that thought hadn't crossed my mind. With Cole, when you watch him make shots, you yeah. think to yourself, like, oh, yeah, like this dude, like, he can really create for himself, he can really create buckets. And then, you watch him like miss some shots and you're like, he's taking some wild shots, but yeah. you know, like he, he's got nobody else on, on his team. And let's, and then you watch him a little bit more and you look at his shooting numbers and you're like, no nah, man, like he was taking some wild shots, even for a guy that had no help. Like he had right. no help and that certainly right. impacted him. But like, he was chucking some stuff. Tyrell Terry took some bad shots. Cole Anthony's shot selection, I would argue was, was worse than Tyrell, than Terry's at times, which is hard. But again, Terry was the only real creator on that Stanford team. But you're right. Cole Anthony's decision-making, I, I don't know. There's some certain concerns there, but he would get you some buckets off the bench. Like if that's what you're looking for late in the first round, I don't think that would be a bad pick. I don't know. I'm not as high as I once was on him. Gotcha. Um, I have I have number 21. I have a guy who we're both kind of low on, but you're lower on than I am even at this point. Uh, Precious Achua yeah. uh, at 21. Lowering by the day. <laughs> <laughs> 22, I have Malachi Flynn. Uh, I, I know we both kind of like him just like as a, as a pick and roll shooter. Actually, we both have Leandro Balmero at exactly the same spot, uh, which is at number 23. I think the Celtics are probably going to, to trade up and, and consolidate. 
I also think that OKC with this sudden fetish for draft picks, yeah. the fact that they picked up the number 28 pick in that deal for Dennis Schroeder means that if the Celtics stay at 26 and Balmero is there at 25, there is a 100% chance that OKC takes Balmero to screw with the Celtics, gets another draft asset that the Celtics then have to like hand over to them so they can 100%. have their draft and stash guy. Like, I don't think like I would, I guarantee that happens because now OKC has multiple picks. Like they're not just wasting a pick on yeah. Balmero if the Celtics call their bluff. I had not thought of that, but that's spot on. There, there's two more that I, I want to ask you about if I'm yeah. crazy to have them this high. Because I have it like, so I, I'm I'm not a Jalen Smith guy. I mm-hmm. don't with you. think he's going to be good. <laughs> My 24 and 25 that I'm tempted to put, um, because I like both of them a lot and I don't love a lot of the rest of the guys. I like Emmanuel quickly. Yeah. And I like, this is too high for him. I like Grant Riller. Um, no, I don't think that's too high for him. I really don't. He's a bucket. Like he can score, he is a bucket. And, and you've said it like you, if part of your process for your board is like, you like guys who can just hoop, which does go a long way. He's one of those guys yeah, without question. So he, I was really tempted to have him at like 28, 29 on mine. I chickened out and put him in like the best of the rest category that I just threw at the end of my board. I had quickly in over him because I like quickly a lot. I think the Celtics like him a lot. And if they do have one of those late first round picks, like his shooting would be great uh, for them to add. Uh, I also added another underrated shooting guard, in my opinion, uh, in Peyton Pritchard, just because I think he would be a good bucket to have off the bench too. But to answer your question, no, I don't think, I say go for it with both those guys, with Riller and quickly. I'm, I'm fully on board with that. I think those are good takes. Gotcha. All right. And then the last couple here, I have two bigs, uh, Isaiah Stewart and Vernon Carey. Yep. I, I know that like not everybody agrees on Vernon Carey. I just kind of am like, I just, he dominated college basketball as a freshman. Yeah. Like I know that, that there's like concerns about his fit, but like, it's not like I'm taking Jaleel Okafor at three. It's like, I'm, <laughs> right. I'm thinking about Vernon Carey at 30, you know? And I think that rationale right there is that's all you need. I think that's totally fair. And then the other guy, and this is the last thing that I will say, the other guy that I have in this range, I actually have bumped up Robert Woodard a little bit. I was really? not super high on him, like aside from just like his physical tools, obviously, which are obscene. Yeah. But th- there was a, a tweet floating around, I-, I think it was like a week ago from uh, Gavoni that had that, that mentioned that Woodard was like in the top 10 of spot up three point shooters. Um, at in the, the combine. combine. And, Interesting. It, you know, like that doesn't tell you everything, but it it's nice Those to know. Something. Like, like I had concerns about his shot because of the small sample size. And yeah. I think because of his free throws as well, I think he's a bad free throw shooter yeah I'm, I'm intrigued by that like i mean if, that, if, if those shooting numbers would improve that's definitely intriguing 100 if you're betting on the shooting that's more than enough reason to have him in your top 30 i'm gonna have to find a place somewhere higher than 29 for denny avdia i like all of the 28 guys that i just said more than denny avdia <laughs> you know what it's actually funny i didn't even realize that you didn't even say <laughs> him yet which is hysterical but like for whatever reason he is okay let me just say this he's he is talented and I had him at 13. He is talented. He's going to be out of the Celtics range, but like he's got a versatile scoring package. He's, he's a big playmaker, but for whatever reason, this entire process, every time Denny Avdia comes up, both of us are just like, nah, like, eh. Eh. <laughs> we're like Denny FD meh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Tom breaking into the dad joke category here. Nicole, who hasn't spoken in quite some time, is just like, I am disgusted. These guys. I literally was about to say something about Tom being a dad. (laughs) (laughs) 
no, I'm honestly I constructed with these drywall hands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep 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 Denny where he is. Also, I I love twenty nine. Twenty nine. Honestly, don't even include him in the board. <laughs> Fuck him. Be like, oh, you forgot Denny? No, I certainly <laughs> no, did not. No, I definitely did not. I definitely did not. I was I was texting uh, Jay uh, King about this earlier today, and, and Jay was like, "Oh, he's gonna be like Dario Saric, but like more mobile." And I'm like, "Dario can shoot." Denny, Denny King. What is like what is with everyone saying like like Oh, I'm betting like hard on Denny shooting. Like I like where it's it's like from what? Where's that coming from? I I, I will not be betting on Denny's shooting. I have no reason to. That's my and thing. I know it looks like on the court he like works hard and stuff, but like just from his zooms that we've had with him, like he just doesn't seem like someone who works hard. And I know he does, but like I just I hear him talk and say, "If Chicago wants to pick me, I'm down." Like when I hear him say that, I'm like, "No, I'm out. I'm so out." I, I, that said, we that's that's a terrible way to evaluate people because both you and I would take Jaden McDaniel's at 14 based on a Zoom call because that guy because he seemed like such a kind person, yeah. funny, like <laughs> yeah, 100. percent what did you guys think of Austin saying that need is a bad evaluator? I think, I think that there's a lot of truth to that. So if you think about it this way, if you draft somebody, if you draft like the best player available, you have them for four years. Right. So that means like, okay, maybe they don't fit your roster your first year, but think about how much NBA rosters change yeah, every yeah. single season. Okay. Maybe Terry Rozier didn't fit the roster in 2015. By 2016, he kind of was a Yeah, that's player. true. Yeah. And, and it's then because by like 2018. <laughs> it's going to go full circle. <laughs> At 2018, he bought five Jeeps and left to go to Charlotte. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I just think that like, if you think about talent, like draft evaluation that way, it's like, you're getting these guys for a long time. Like they, yeah. they, your roster has more than enough time to mold itself to those guys. So, okay. So you can get bench scoring via trade or, or via the right. free agent market. But I, I think if you're going to draft somebody, you might as well just like, yeah, yeah give me the talent. I'll, I'll make it work. Also, Nicole, any, uh, any draft related thoughts before the actual event on Wednesday? I guess the thing that I'm most intrigued by is the Celtics are going to make a move. I'm convinced that they can't stand Pat because there's no way they're going to draft four rookies on Wednesday. There's just no way that that's going to happen. I don't know. I just think that they're going to have to get creative. I definitely think that a three team deal is probably in play, um, which is exciting, I guess, because like more teams, more movement, all that stuff. But it's also tough because that makes it much harder to project what the actual deal will be because right. like, I don't know about you guys. I have never seen somebody accurately predict a three team deal. Like sometimes no, people too can many guess a two parts. team deal, but like I've never seen a three team deal act accurately guessed. Yeah. There's just far too many moving parts. I could see them. This would be a very disappointing scenario for a lot of like the, the chaos fans, people who want to see just the world burn and just chaos ensue. But I could see them if the trade market just is not what they're looking for. They stick at 14, they keep 47 to grab a two-way guy, and then they just bail on their back end first rounders. If say Bomero gets taken out early or something like that, they bail on those two first rounders for future picks yeah, and something like that. Like, I, I think that would be disappointing for some people but i also think that i think that would make some sense that makes more sense than actually making the selections yeah 100 yeah. danny's like stash has been used up essentially yeah. they don't own that many future picks no. especially compared to years past so i could see that happening as well the only problem is that not us that nobody is giving up a 2021 not so a true. single 2021 is going to be available to be had. Or maybe even 2022 at this point. Like people are just valuing those future drafts so much higher. 
God, so. what Danny would do to get his hands on a 2021 pick, an extra 2021 pick. Man. Oh, boy. Just uh, Memphis. One too many games this year. This tough close. hit for the Celtics. This close. That is this a close. really tough hit. Really an unprotected tough. an unprotected 2021 pick is like all of a sudden Harden is on the team. So, that, all right. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll leave it there. Thank you all for listening. We will be back on draft night, and uh, we'll, we'll break down everything that's happened. It's going to be chaos. It's going to be a lot of fun. For now, leave us a review. Leave us a rating. We appreciate anybody who gets in touch with us. Um, feel free to DM myself or Nicole with any ideas, and we will talk to you all soon. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.